Hey everybody, welcome back to the Something to Bless podcast with me, Barbara Gian at barbaragian.com. I hope you guys are all doing great and you're all geared up and ready for Christmas, which is now just days away. Christmas these days looks nothing like it did uh, as pretty much for my entire life. Um, now it's just me, my husband and our son because the girls don't live near and it's too hard to get here for the holiday. So we have to rearrange things and celebrate on off days. But either way, we're going to have an amazing time and I hope you are as well. Okay, guys, we have an amazing guest on the show today. Very special guest, VIP, if you will, my husband, my boo, uh, Juan Guillen, which that sounds so weird to me. I only know him as Carlos, but his name is Juan Carlos, and he introduces himself as Juan. So we'll stick with that, just keep everything the same and normal for everybody else who meets him, and he tells you it's Juan. Okay, so um, if you've been here for a while, you may have heard his testimony. He was a guest on the podcast in March, I believe, of 2022. So it's been about a year and a half. He shared his testimony. It was powerful. Um, He's here, again, to share some of his story, but also to talk about um, this topic of emotional sobriety. It's what I we have talked about a few times before, and I just feel like it's an important topic and conversation for all of us, whether we're in recovery or struggling with something or not. We all could use some help in the area of just having emotional wellness. Uh, we're calling it emotional sobriety for the topic today, but same meaning. Also, um, okay, so we're going to get to hear him. Also, I wanted to mention, if you would love to read the New Testament Bible every day with me, uh, I'm inviting you to join me on YouTube at Barbara Gian Official. The link for that is going to be in the notes um, here. So you can just click and subscribe. But I'm there Monday through Friday, just reading the Bible. I just want to know the word and I'm learning so much. Every video, um, every reading is under five minutes. So if you have a few minutes to spare, you want to know what the word says, join me over there. I would love to see you and, um, and learn it together. All right, that's it. I really want to get into the conversation and I'll let you hear. So without further ado, here is my conversation with, oh, you know what? Sorry, squirrel moment again. Uh, last week, he just celebrated five years. So now he is officially over the five-year mark of being clean and sober, and I couldn't be more proud. Um, okay, back to regular programming. Without further ado, here is my conversation with my husband, Juan Guillen. I had to look up when you were on the show. Do you remember when that was? I was trying to remember. I think it was over a couple years ago. Yeah. Well, it was a year and a half. It was March of 2022. I thought it was longer than that, but it's been about a year and a half. So at that point, you had already been clean and sober for three and a half years. You'd come a long way. You made a lot of progress. But looking back, and you can speak to this for yourself, but you still had a long way to go. And I'm sure you still feel like it'll be like a lifelong journey, right? Yeah. I, I didn't really understand what sobriety meant. I thought that once I gave up the alcohol and drugs, everything would be fine. 
three and a half years sober. I don't quite remember if the podcast took place before I got back into the rooms of AA or after. I think it was right after. Do you remember? I don't remember which, you were in recovery. That's all I know. So with three years sober, I had sort of stopped going to meetings and I stopped participating in my recovery. You know, when I first got sober, I, I made a lot of progress. I addressed my PTSD from the Gulf War for the very first time for a year and a half. The first year and a half that I was sober, I did intense therapy for my PTSD. And uh, that really helped me. And I was in a really good place. But uh, something happened. And I walked away from therapy. I didn't go to many meetings. I, I didn't go to any meetings at all. I, I kept in touch with some people in recovery, but I was kind of like doing my own thing. And I really believed that as long as I didn't drink or use, that all would be well. But I had never really worked. I did a little bit of work on me, but I, I kind of picked and choose what I wanted to do in recovery. And because of that, I wasn't in a good place. You know, I started to take my will back. I start to struggle. I start to struggle with me. And then I remember getting back to the rooms and there was a book study. It was a, an emotional sobriety book study. There's actually a book in AA that's called Emotional Sobriety. And I didn't really understand the term. But after participating and reading and listening, I, I got it, like, I always thought the problem in my life was the alcohol and drugs. I believe that once I gave that up, got sober, everything would be fine. I meet people in recovery now that have 10, 20 years, but their, their recovery is not very well, very good. They, they, they struggle with anger. They, they get into it with people. They're, they're cha constantly challenging. We call them dry drunks dry drunks. You know, they're not drinking, but they still act like they're drinking, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. But when did you even become aware of emotional sobriety, the difference between your recovery that you were doing and then not having that part? Well, I was unhappy. Even with three years sober, I, I was not happy. I started to take my will back. I had, I, I'm dual diagnosed. I'm a combat vet and I have PTSD. And when untreated, it can take, it, it can get the best of me. I, I'm quick to snap. I have anger issues, anxiety. I, I've struggled with depression at times. And I go from zero to 60 in a heartbeat if I'm not careful. And when I was untreated, undiagnosed and untreated, I self-medicated with alcohol for a long, long time. And when alcohol wasn't enough, I did drugs and I, I was able to maintain, you know, you know, my story. I was a high functioning alcoholic drug addict for a lot of years. I held a government job for 20, 20 plus years and I had this secret and I thought I was going to take that secret to the grave. You know, I grew up in a household where we, we didn't talk about problems and me ad admitting that I had issues with, I started all this fear started to come back into my life. I had this fear, you know, and uh, insecurities, a lot of insecurities. And I kept it all to myself. 
and I, I would explode. And I remember telling you, I have three years sober. This is the best version of me that you'll ever see. And I really, really believe that. I believe that. And now looking back, I kind of laugh because I hadn't even started the real work. I never fully participated in my recovery, the program of AA that I attend. I never worked my 12 steps. I kind of picked and choose what I wanted to, to, wanted to do. When I first got sober, I had a, a sponsor. We're really good friends now. Shout out to Art. And he had a couple more years sober than me. And he was the perfect sponsor. He didn't really push me. And I needed that at the time because I had a problem with taking direction. And I only heard what I wanted to hear. So I never really got the promises that are, that are in the book, the big book of AA. I wasn't happy, joyous, and free because I, I, never, I never put in the work. So when I decided, you know what? If I don't get back into the rooms, not only am I going to lose my wife, I think we were talking about breaking up, divorcing again with three years sober. I go, worse than that, I'm going to end up drink, drinking or using again. And, and I do remember with three years sober, driving up to a liquor store and thinking about uh, buying a beer. And for me, it always, it always started with that one beer, that one beer. And it, it quickly accelerated to hard liquor, drugs, and other things. I know that I can't drink like a normal person. I have disease, I have alcoholism, and if left untreated, it will kill me. Luckily, I came back into the meetings, I found a sponsor that I could work with, and that really changed my life. I worked my 12 steps, and I completely surrendered to God. When I first got sober, it was by the grace of God. And I had this relationship with God. And even when I was struggling with three years sober, I still prayed. And I believe because I had this relationship with God, I got back into the rooms. I got back into recovery. And I started to turn my life around. You know, I'm coming up in a few weeks, days, on December 5th, God willing, I'll be cel celebrating five years clean and sober. It's been sort of a roller coaster ride. There's been a lot of ups and downs in my recovery, but I'm in a really, really good place for the very first time in my life. And I, and I have emotional sobriety. I know people talk about emotional sobriety all the time. I didn't really know what it was. You know, I, like I explained, there's people that are sober, but they still act like drunks. They're clean and sober, but they still act like they're addicts. They're still out there lying, cheating, stealing. I don't live that way. Or just acting with anger and rage or those sorts of negative emotions, lashing out at others. Yes. I work with others. I, I help a lot of men and I'm able to, so me, for me, emotional sobriety it's something that I have to surrender daily in order to have it. I surrender to God. I surrender to serving God and serving others. That's been really a really important part of my recovery. You know, I, I'm not just sober today. I'm in recovery. And I, I strive to have emotional sobriety. I have a life that doesn't require me to drink or use. or or 
try, there's so many mind altering substances out there that people dabble with. You know, I know people that give up alcohol, but they continue to do other things. They give up their drug of choice and they think they're sober. I'm not here to judge anybody. Everybody gets sober differently. What works for me may not work for somebody else. But I really believe that once I completely surrendered to God, serving God and serving others, my life changed. And, you know, I'm not perfect. I, I have to work on my character defects daily. I have to ask God to help me. And I, I'm constantly reminding myself, or I, I try to live with an attitude of gratitude. I'm very grateful to be clean and sober today. I'm grateful that I get to help others. I get a lot out of that. I was very Let's selfish and self-centered. Talk about your your daily routine because you have a really strict routine, solid routine, not strict. And you also are actually sponsoring others fairly recently. So tell us about your daily habits and routine and then how you're helping a couple of um, guys right now in their own recovery. So every day that I get up, I, I thank God. I start my day by thanking God. I pray. And I also read some of the AA literature, pages 86 through 88. It's a good way to start your day for me. That's what works. There's a lot of balance in my life now, a lot of balance. I have God. I help others. I take care of me now. For a lot of years, I, I neglected my health. I used to be into powerlifting. And I thought it was this big, tough guy, you know, we used to power lift, bench press a lot of weight and I was really unhealthy. I was drinking all the time. I was using drugs and I, I never felt good. I never felt good. Today, I, I do a lot of self-care. I, I go to the gym every, every morning, Monday through Friday. I'm not just lifting weights. I do cardiovascular. I do about 30 to 45 minutes on the elliptical machine. I always dreaded doing cardiovascular. You know, I, I only thought about lifting weights. And, and today I go beyond that. I take care of my heart. I watch what I eat. And that's how I start my day. Prayer, showing gratitude. I, I do reach out to others in the mornings. There's a group of men that I stay in contact with. You know, I, I used to be very self-centered and selfish. Most of my adult life. If you couldn't do something for me, I don't want to have nothing to do with you. Today's not like that. I get a lot out of just reaching out and trying to help people. It's a big part of my recovery. I go to meetings. I, I attend three to four, five, six sometimes. You know, I go to a lot of meetings, 12-step meetings, AA meetings. I have a sponsor in AA and I also sponsor men. I meet a lot of guys that are just like me. Guys that are struggling with alcoholism and drug addiction, they just haven't been able to do it yet. You know, they have good intentions. Something that I've heard in the rooms and that really stuck is that we're not bad people in recovery. We're not bad people trying to get good. We're sick people trying to get well. Alcoholism is a disease. Once that alcohol hits my lips, or that drug, 
it's over. I can't stop. I know it's hard to, to get normies to understand that. Like you, you can just, why can't you just say no? It just doesn't, it doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. You know, I meet a lot of Marines. We live here in Oceanside. I go to meetings on base. That's a big part of my recovery. And a lot of these young Marines, young veterans, they struggle, you know. And I used to get upset in the beginning when I started sponsoring. I used to tell myself that I would never sponsor anybody in the beginning. And that was just me being selfish. And now that I've started helping others, I used to get upset when people would go out and drink or relapse and use. I don't, I don't take it personal no more. I just, I just try to carry the message. That's what I do. I was going to ask you about that, how it affects you when you are trying to help somebody or you're working with someone and they're just not doing their part. And it's kind of like coaching. It reminds me of coaching. When you want the best for someone, you're doing the work yourself. You're trying to use what you know and what's worked for you to help this person. And you get emotionally invested in their success, whatever that may be. And then they're just not doing what you know they need to do. So in the beginning, it may be affected you differently than it does now because now you've learned the gift of release surrender in all aspects like you can surrender yourself to god every day but you can also surrender maybe your desires for others if they're not going to step up and, and do the work that you know is required yeah, yeah i all i do is try to carry the message and the person has to be willing and i can't make them become willing. I had to be willing. You know, after everything was said and done, when, when I ended up at the hospital six years ago, really sick, dying from kidney failure, I, I thought that was it. You know, you would think, man, you almost died. You almost, you almost got placed on dialysis for the rest of your life. But I ended up relapsing. I wasn't willing yet. I wasn't willing. I had these reservations that I, I didn't want to let go. I didn't want, want to let go. I thank God daily that I'm, he allows me to be willing today, willing to continue to participate in my recovery, willing to help others, willing to work on myself. That's that balance that I need to have emotional sobriety. I meet guys, uh, not everybody struggles with alcohol and drugs. There's guys that uh, are battling with PTSD, combat PTSD. I am dual diagnosed. I do get outside help. I haven't been to my counselor. I have to reschedule my counselor appointment. It's been over a month, but I, I got to get back in there. I know there's no cure for me. And if I leave my PT, PTSD untreated, it, it will start to get the best of me. So I have yeah. to have balance. I address my recovery, my fitness, my health, outside help. A lot of veterans are not willing to get outside help. It's a struggle for a lot of veterans. It wasn't easy for me either. But it's, it's, not, it's not easy to be vulnerable and talk about what's really bothering you. But there, there is help out there. I, I like to let people know, guys that I work with, veterans that I meet, if you're willing, you can get help. I got help and it changed my life. It really did. I didn't think I was gonna live past 50. 
I know you've heard that before. I really believed that I was going to die by the time I was 50. And six years ago, it almost happened. It almost happened. I was completely hopeless. I know what it's like to be hopeless. I know we have a problem with mental illness in this country, not only with veterans. Everyday people are, are struggling with depression, anxiety. Mental illness will get the best of you. I know when I struggled, I, I gave up. I really, I gave up on everything. And it's by the grace of God that I was able to escape that. And I am happy, joyous, and free today because I'm willing to put in the work and surrender to God daily and have balance, healthy balance. I try to avoid drama. Even in recovery, there's always things that are popping off. You know, there's a lot of sick people. There's a lot of sick people that go into the meetings, the rooms. I used to be one of those people. I almost got into it with a few people when I, I first got sober my first year, year and a half. And that's part of the reason that I stopped going to meetings. But today, I hold on to my chair. I'm not going to get pushed away. I, I know how to avoid conflicts. I try to avoid conflicts. And that's the difference in my life today. I'm thinking about people who, okay, you do a lot. You shared your routine and you do a lot of stuff. Like you go to the gym every day. You go to group meetings. You just have all these things that you do every day. For the person who works full-time, which I'm sure you are in recovery with people who have full-time jobs and don't have all the time that you have to devote yourself to recovery, what would you say are the two most important things that they can do and should be doing daily? Most people that I meet in recovery ha have jobs. A lot of people that are sober in recovery have jobs. I go to a 7 a.m. meeting here in Oceanside on Mondays, and there's uh, 50 people. A lot of them are catching the meeting before they go to work. There's a lot of good sobriety in that meeting. It's a big part of my recovery. I go to some late meetings where people show up after work. I also attend a noon meeting where people show up on their lunch break. So if you want it, you'll get it. That's what you're saying. Because they have, have so have, many meetings available. Yes. AA has a lot, a lot of meetings available day and night, all hours of the day. Even when, when we travel, you find meetings in other locations. Yeah, there, there's an AA app that allows you to locate meetings anywhere you are in the world. And when we travel, I make it a point to attend a meeting or two. I participate in my recovery daily. I have to. Meetings is a big part of my recovery. It's a big reason why I have emotional sobriety. It's that balance in my life. Meetings, self-care. God on top of everything, though. And, God, uh, tell us the order. God. God recovery's a uh, family for me. W mm -hmm. Without God or recovery, I, I don't have anything. I lose everything. I give away I everything. I want to talk about a couple things because they're on my mind and I don't want to forget them. I know that you have a lot of people who reach out to you in the DMs um, on Instagram because you have a recovery page that a lot of people find support in. 
the things that you post and the things that you share. So they reach out to you. A lot of them are spouses or, or family members of loved ones who are stuck in their addiction. And I've had people reach out too and ask me how I've dealt with it or what, what they should do. But you talked earlier about how it has to come from your own will. It's not going to happen otherwise, right? But that doesn't mean that family members don't have an active or important role in how they can respond or what they what kind of things they can or maybe shouldn't be doing. So anything to say on that? I get a lot of messages on social media, Instagram. I have a recovery page that I started when I first got sober. I try to post daily affirmations, stuff to inspire others, help others stay sober. So family members reach out and they ask me, you know, what do they think? What do I think? What should they do? I always tell them to look up a meeting, either AA or NA. And if the person's willing, he can go to any meeting in the world and he'll get help. They'll point him in the right direction. That's the 12-step programs, AA or NA. I've done both. That's where the miracles happen. The person has to be willing, though. I remember going to that first meeting was not easy. I had all these reasons why I didn't have to go. There's no way I'm going to walk in that meeting. You know, it takes humility. It takes courage. But that's the first step. I sometimes, I know people in the recovery world. I know some people that own sober living, some people that work in rehabs, so detox centers. If the person's willing, it doesn't matter what what information I give their family members. If they're not willing, they're not going to do it. They're not going right, to so do what it. What about the family you know, members? What's, what is their role? What can they do? What should they do? What shouldn't they do? Like, do you have any, just from what you've learned from your own experience or learn from others that have found recovery? Like, Well, you know, th- there are these meetings, Al-Anon meetings for people who struggle with alcoholics or addicts. I've heard some good things about them. You know, they help people that have family members that are struggling. I know a lot of people that have codependent issues. You know, I've heard stories of wives, girlfriends, boyfriends, husbands that, that they actually make it easy for the person who's struggling by not laying down boundaries. I think it's important to have boundaries. I have boundaries. You know, guys will call me in the middle of the night. I I, I turn off my ringer. I call them back in the morning. You know, I don't get guys out of jail. When they get out, I'll meet them. I I have to have boundaries. And I I think loved ones, family members have to have boundaries. But I, I tell them to not give up hope. There's always hope. The help is there once they're willing. And that I remind them that their family member is sick. They're not bad people. We're not bad people. Just really sick. And when the disease takes over, man, it's a bad situation for everybody. The people closest to alcoholics, addicts, really, really suffer the most, I believe. I I agree. And I think... I see things dif- a lot differently than I used to when it comes to drug and alcohol addiction, but I still stand firm on it's still a choice to stay in it or to get yourself help because that that's what those of you who have gotten help, you made a choice to end or, you know, try to put an end to 
that destruction and that suffering. And you, you know, you found humility and vulnerability and all the things surrender to go get the help. You weren't the only one suffering. It's, you know, so many people who love you and care about you too. So. Yeah. You know, in recovery, we say that those of us that get sober are miracles. I I attended a lot of classes through the VA on alcoholism, drug addiction, and they said that less than 10% of veterans that come into a program get sober. And they also said that it's half of that, 5% of veterans who suffer from PTSD and addiction can get sober. So I'm, I'm in this classroom, there was like, you know, it was a big class, it was almost 100 people. And, the, and that number just like got engraved in my head, like five of us are going to make it out of here. It's, it's sad. It really is. But that just keeps me grateful for being one of the few that made it out. And there's no cure, though. You know, I know guys with 5, 10, 20, 25, 30 years that relapse and go back out. And some of these guys or girls, women, Men and women, they die, you know? So I, I, I stay really vigilant, and I don't take my sobriety for granted. I don't take my life for granted anymore. You know, when I surrender 100% to God, serving God and others, showing love, huge part of my recovery. It keeps me, it keeps me humble. It keeps me in that attitude of gratitude, you know, I appreciate all the little things that I have. And I have that balance that I talk about. You got to have balance. You got to be willing. You know, it doesn't matter what you're struggling with. Alcohol, drugs, sex, cheating, gambling, lying, stealing. Those are all vices that get the best of us. Until you admit, hey, I got a problem. I need help. I need to make some changes. Once you're um, willing to, yeah. Sorry, I know there's, I think there's a delay, so I keep cutting you off. But we've talked about people who white knuckle it. I'm doing air quotes for the listeners, but just finding a way to be sober, but not doing any program or having any kind of su- structured support to help you through that. And then we've talked about how it's kind of worrisome because you don't have a system or something to guide you through, because it is such a process, a journey, then what happens when something tragic happens in your life or something goes wrong, you really don't have something to fall back on. Because I know there's a lot of people who don't, they just don't like the idea of AA or a a program like that. They feel like they can just manage it on their own. And we've talked a lot about this. Yeah, I've, I've met people I was one of those people that try to white knuckling it. I try white knuckling it, doing it on my own. And I wasn't happy. I've shared that things are starting to fall, fall apart for me. And I was on the verge of relapsing. I didn't get sober to be unhappy. You know, today I'm happy. I don't have to look over my shoulder. I have serenity. And it's because I participate in my recovery. People who white knuckling it, white knuckle it, some of them, they're acting like dry drunks. They're, they're struggling with depression, anxiety. 
They have anger issues. They're not in recovery. They're just, they were able to stop drinking or using. And maybe they were, maybe they're like me that they thought maybe once you stop drinking and using, your life will get better. But for me, that didn't happen. I needed to recover. I needed to participate in my recovery so so I could have that emotional sobriety so I could be happy, joyous, and free. You know, guys will come back after being out on their own. Not a lot of them will stay sober. Some of them will, though. Some of them will. And they'll share their experiences. And, and I can relate because I got a little taste of that. And I, I don't want to live like that. I want to be happy. I want to be sober and happy. Mm-hmm. And, and the only way I know, the way that works for me, is by participating in my recovery, surrendering daily, God, serving God, helping others, serving others. That's, that's part of that balance that I have. And I need to do it daily. Daily. I can't stop. I'll go a few days without a meeting and I'll get that itch like, man, I need to get back in the meeting. But I'm constantly, guys will check in with me. I check in with other guys. I take phone calls. You know, there's different ways. Not everybody is going to be able to sponsor men. There's other ways you can help others. I know guys who got sober, they have really good lives, who did it with God, church. They completely surrender and they're, they do their service in church. They help others in church. They continue to help. They do self-care, giving their lives to God and working on their issues. They, they don't have to, you don't have to go to a AA, a 12-step program. There's guys who do it through God. But that formula, trusting God, cleaning house, helping others, you can incorporate that in any way. It doesn't have to be in a 12-step program. But I don't see how you can truly be happy if you just stop drinking and using and don't do nothing else. Like, it's like there's the, no way. Like, it's like there's a spark missing for, with doing yes. something structured in a program and not, oh, I just had a thought. What was it? Oh, man, it was good. Hopefully it will come back to me. Darn it. Oh, anyways, I forgot it. That's really good. I wanted to talk about this topic of emotional sobriety, because I think that sober, clean, or just not like not even having those issues is something to pay attention to because that's your spirit and that's how you show up every day. And that's how you feel every day is according to the sobriety of your emotions, your spiritual, mental, emotional, and physical health is like what allows you each day to walk in that peace and joy and sense of freedom. So it's so important for everybody, but especially because when you have an addiction of some sort, that's like an extra layer or burden on your spirit, on your soul. And if you're staying clean, but not having that part component, then it's not for nothing, but it's kind of like you're not fully enjoying it. Yeah. We live in a world where there's a lot of people that are suffering. Mental illness is a, is a, is a real thing. It affects a lot of people and there's help though. You know, I can't imagine I wouldn't, I was at the end of my ropes. I refused to get help. And I, I, I know that everybody was praying for me, including you. And I, I, I know that because of those prayers, 
God answer those prayers, you know, God will always put the right people in our lives. For me, it took a lot for me to open my eyes. And there's people that struggle, though. They struggle and they refuse to open their eyes. They, they meet the right people, but they don't, they're not willing, though, to ask, hey, how did you do it? I need help. <laughs> it starts right there. I need it help. Take, it takes humility and vulnerability. And so many people, men in particular, just they're so stubborn and so prideful and they don't make pride, it because pride of and that. Ego. Yeah, pride and ego will get the best of you. It got the best of me. Um, selfish, self-centered for a lot of years. You know, I, I really was godless most of my adult life. And at the very end, when I was deep in my addiction, I saw some really bad things. Me being a believer, you know, I believe that the devil is real. And when you give in to temptation, alcohol-related, drug-related, you open up this realm. And I'm so glad I escaped that world. You know, I'm so glad that God had grace on me. And for that, I'm grateful. I know that people struggle. People hit me up all the time on social media. I pray for people who struggle with addiction, alcoholism, drug addiction, mental health issues, PTSD. I was one of those people. I pray that people get the help that they deserve. I pray that they are able to become willing. That's, that's a big thing. I'm so grateful I'm willing today to put in the work. And that, and that really... You could even just pray for the willingness. If it's not something that you feel you have yet or you're in a place to receive, you can just pray and ask for God to open your heart and, and help you to surrender because you're just your heart needs that molding or that shaping still. But only God yeah, can do that. One of, that's one of the first things I ask guys to do is pray for the willingness. A lot of guys come into the rooms of recovery and they have a lot of reservations towards God. You know, 12-step programs are not religious programs. They're spiritual programs. But you have to accept a higher power, God. And that's a big struggle for a lot of people. I just tell them, pray for the willingness, man. Because I don't know how to pray. It's real simple. It's a, God, help it's a, me. <laughs> it's surprising it. because you're like, and I hope I don't sound like I'm forming judgments, but it's like you're struggling and suffering what could it possibly hurt? It's not working your way. You have to surrender to, to God. And I know there's different names for that, but it's God for me. And that is really the key. And that's the answer. Yes, it is. I know you got to go get our baby from school. So I want to ask you just a few questions before we end. It's blessed me with three. You're going to play my little game. Ready or okay. not. Okay. So there's three questions. The first one is, do you have a favorite verse or quote, but preferably a verse scripture i have i have a verse tattooed on my foot but i, I don't i don't memorize it i don't have it memorized okay. what is it about don't be googling 10, it right now luke 10 19 luke 10 19 uh-huh <laughs> you know what it do you know what it says paraphrased Ste stepping on snakes <laughs> i don't know word for word Busted. somebody needs to study their scripture okay all right i need to the second question is about well it's usually what is your favorite book but we know you don't read you don't pick up books but i do yeah. have a favorite book though what is it 
the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. I'm really grateful. Sorry. I'm really grateful for the book. I really believe that God gave that book to alcoholics and drug addicts. It's it's very spiritual and it it's ha- helps transform my life and it's helping me help others transform their lives. Is that where I the do read the Bible are? too? That's where we do our step work out of. Yes, I actually do want to read the steps. I, I think that they could be good for anybody. I think so too. Bible, yeah, that's what I was hoping you would say actually. But I, your second option was going to be what's your favorite TV show, but that's okay. You gave us two books. Okay, right. the last one is. Who inspires you? Is or it could be multiple people, but who helps you kind of stay inspired, motivated, encouraged? I don't. I don't want to throw out a lot of names. I follow. Part of my recovery involves listening to a lot of recovery messages. Also, a lot of messages from men of God. I I do. I don't like to read, like you mentioned. I have trouble reading, but I I listen to other men read the Bible on YouTube. And there's a lot of men of God. I have a terrible memory, but they they are part of my balance, my sur- daily surrender, and I get so much out of these men. You know, they're on YouTube sharing the gospel. Also listen to other men who talk about recovery. These are guys that are selfless. You know, it's not easy to put content out daily. You know that you do stuff. It's not easy. And for these men to like put their content out so they can reach people like me and feed me spiritually. I'm so grateful for men like that. Men of God, uh, men of re- that, that have a great message of recovery, but I'm not going to name anybody specifically. I'm sorry. Follow a lot of people and, and I'm glad I'm thankful too for you having some really good role models and examples of how to be a man in this world. But you're an example to others too, and an inspiration with your pages and your support and sponsoring of others. All right. Well, thanks for being here. And in a week or so you celebrate five years. So super proud of you. Thank you. Love you. Appreciate you. you All right. I'll see see you soon in a minute. Bye. (laughs) Bye. Bye.